welcome to episode 35 of Creativity Conversations. And today I have the ultimate pleasure of speaking with Todd Reynolds. Todd, thanks for being here. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Nina. <laughs> so on this conversation, we get to talk with people who understand the nature of creativity, they embody it, and they share it with other people. So Todd has an extremely long bio, and I am just going to highlight a couple things, and then we're just going to see where the conversation goes from there. So Todd, violinist, composer, educator, technologist, one of the founding fathers of the hybrid musician music sorry, music movement, violinist of choice for Steve Reich, Meredith Monk, Ban on a Can, and founder of the string quartet known as Ethel. His compositional and performance style is a hybrid of old and new technology, multidisciplinary aesthetic and pan-genre composition, and improv. This is kind of tongue-tying, but we won't go too far <laughs> with this. So... Other things that are sticking out from your bio, for me anyway, are the words that are being used to describe what you do, weaving and sculpting and being cross-genre improviser and collaborator. Where does this all come from? My mom asked me that question. Um, but, but then she followed it up was with, uh, we didn't teach you this, as if it should have all come from them. Um, uh, oh, by, by the way, uh, just a question for you. Do you have, do you have waiting room? Uh, do you yes. have people? Wait? Oh, you do. Excellent. Yep. So I, so it, it's funny. Yeah, I, as you read that bio, time passes so quickly that, uh, that I myself become more and more disassociated from from that description and yeah it is tongue-tying i think i need to make it a little little easier to read um well to me it just uh, says that you're you have disappeared into the creative flow that is moving through you oh i'm really glad that it says that i'm really glad that it says that <laughs> you know uh so so your, your your question is where does it all come from uh it all comes from from uh really learning it comes from 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 digging down into into what creativity is i guess that's what we you want know, to talk about i i i grew i grew up i grew up in a very traditional you know classical evangelical fundamentalist household so i grew up with the with all sorts of mandates so uh it wasn't until wasn't until I was in college that I really ever began to even think about the word creativity and what it meant to me. Mm. Kind of weird, right? Um, no, not really. But what was it? I'm curious. Was there any one event that happened when you were in college that suddenly opened that door for you? There wasn't an, there, there wasn't one event. I, well, here, here's a, here's a good story for you. Um, I'm probably known as as one of your former guests, our dear colleague uh, Ashley Bathgate. Uh, I'm kind of known for playing music on the fringes, essentially of of classical music. And I remember before I grew up in L.A. and before I left to go to school, I had a number of experiences with a group of composers, and frankly, 
you know, I was a student of Yasha Heifetz. I was, I was studying with him. Uh, I was working, I was playing uh, soundtracks and stuff like that. I'd already kind of entered the studio scene there, but I never really thought of composers until this, until I fell in with this, with this rowdy bunch of composers. And as I did, I really started to get turned on to the idea of playing fresh ink and, and, uh, making music for people for the first time that had written. Mm. And that I think is the first thing that, that really began to ping me. You know, I had always listened to Stefan Grappelli and, and loved the freedom of, of jazz without even understanding it or, you know, standing in those shoes at all. But as I went to school, I fell in with another group of composers at Eastman and I ended up kind of adjusting my entire curriculum to become what you might want to call now as a contemporary music player or, or, um, or a new music player. And that's been my, that's been my entire career since that time, uh, almost shifting my evangelism to the sense of, of, uh, of wanting to share this possibility of creating new music in real time uh, with other people. So you're an evangelist now for the muse of creativity. Absolutely. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely an evangelist for the muse and an evangelist for human beings uh, to, to discover their own, their own way forward in creativity and get rid of blocks and stops. So I'm a coach like you. Yeah. So how do you do that? How do I do what? Get rid of helping. How do you help people to get rid of blocks? Because something that was highlighted, at least I highlighted it in your bio, was that you were uh, committed to transforming mindsets rather than transferring content. <laughs> yes, that's that's a that's a real dis distinction in the in the way that I also teach, like teaching school. You know, there's mm -hmm. uh, there there are two ways of of teaching well there are, i'm sure infinite ways of teaching but two of them that i focus on is content transfer versus uh mindset transformation mm -hmm. and i would like to let's say let's say you yourself let's say that you wanted to come to me and learn technology technology <laughs> yeah let's say that you wanted to learn something about technology one of the things that I would want to address and support and have conversations with you around are not only the things that might be uh, fear-mongering about this idea of working with technology, but also reinforcing the things that you already do on a daily basis, mm -hmm. which relate to technology and how those things can inform the former. So that in mixing these two together, all of a sudden stops and blocks dissolve without any effort. Yeah. So yeah. it's very much, it's, it's very much a, uh, a be here now principle of just saying, okay, let's just take what is right now. And rather than just transferring content for you to deal with later, let's talk about how you learn, why you learn, why you're excited about learning and what there is to learn such that when we get off a call, then you'll be inspired to go dig in yourself until you get stopped again. And then we can have another conversation. So the answer, the actual answer to your question is how do you do it? You have conversations, which is ironic because that's kind of the answer to everything. <laughs> <laughs> because life is a series of conversations. Yes, but it all depends on what conversations that you're having, right? 
Exactly, exactly. So it's a question of guiding, uh, guiding each other and guiding ourselves to the right conversations. Yeah. Or I, 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 you know, I hate that word. I hate the right and wrong thing because I grew up with it so strongly. But, but yeah. guiding ourselves to the conversations which take us forward the most impactfully and steadily. Yeah. So that brings me to a question, which is the conversations that I'm, I'm making an assumption, I think a fairly educated assumption, though, based on knowing you, that <laughs> what, what you're talking about is an innate capacity for um, creativity, for new ideas, for fresh insight, for possibility, that that's not something that is uh, an external skill that has to be required acquired, it may have to be refined, but the innate sense of it already being present within each one of us is what you're actually pointing to or suggesting. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's, that's a, that's a fundamental tenet to, uh, to what I believe for sure. It's inherent in all of us. It's a, it's a stepping out of the way or a recontextualizing or, or just, just looking in a different direction, uh, to create possibility that that really opens up the process, opens up um, the avenues, opens up the connections between people. There we go. <laughs> Just a little background music to highlight what you were saying. Exactly, exactly. So, um, so yes, it's it's no, I. Creativity is is part of the is part of human being. It's it's uh, it's inherent to each one of us, and we're problem solving uh, continually. Like every minute of of every day, we're yeah. we're problem solving. So this is nothing new for for us, and yet it can get arrested, just time after time. It does in me. It does in it does in everybody I know. This is also inherent in human being is our ability to defeat and arrest ourselves. <laughs> from from having brilliant uh creative paths by uh by by the questioning and the and the kind of hardness on ourselves yeah so would you consider those some of the blocks that get in the way absolutely mm. absolutely i deal with them every day and i'm talking about inside myself not in others well so uh, share some of that oh goodness so we get to see your humanity as well as your you want to see my super superhuman um, no, it's it. My my humanity is no different than the next person's humanity, of course, and and in sharing that, in sharing those ideas, I mean, uh, the uh, things that I'll bring up here, I'm sure are are very familiar to all of all of our listeners and all of our friends and colleagues. Uh, I think one of the one of the most one of the most complex things that I deal with is as soon as I want to start building something or as soon as I want to make an assertion or stand powerfully in the world in any way, the first thing that comes up is resistance. The very, very first thing comes up. Uh, I, can't, I can't even get to the possibility sometimes because the resistance is so strong and I have to work my way through it. Um, so what does it look like? How does it appear? Hmm. Is it I can't I can't or it won't or most of the time I think uh the the uh, sentences that come to me the most 
are this has already been done before. Mm. I have no, I have nothing to say in the matter that hasn't already been said. You know, love one another. For Christ's sake, Jesus said that. It's like, how old is this concept? I mean, why, why, why do I have any more right to say this than anyone else? And the way that that resistance ends up dissolving eventually is where creativity and conversation takes the place of it. So it doesn't matter that... <laughs> that there is something to say here. It matters that there's a connection to be made with another or many mm -hmm. human beings. And I don't know, I, I would say, pro I, I would imagine, I would imagine that there's a whole lot of folks who come up against this same type of resistance, which is why I'm, I'm committed to having that conversation. Yeah. So, so coaching conversations essentially end up being, um, conversations toward these ideas rather than like trying to provoke or invoke change right because these are things that we all share and we all walk through so any new perspective mm -hmm. that anyone has is a contribution toward the moving forward gorgeous can you imagine what it would be like if every tree and flower had the same question why should I bother? It's already been done before. <laughs> we, I don't, I don't think we'd really get anywhere. No, well, no, of course not. But <laughs> well, I love what you're saying about connection, um, and I think, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. That there is a connection between creating and love. Oh wow, uh, wow. Um, even in that, even in that sentence, there's, there's, there are so many conversations to be had um, that that are so fundamentally human and and uh, and generational, um, and by generational I mean generative, not generational. Um, but maybe if we're lucky, <laughs> we, one one can always make a baby. So, um, so let's see, I. Uh, is there the a connection between love and creativity? Um, it is a generous, it is a generous act to get out of one's way. I think I probably need to make that sign and wear it on my forehead or wear it or put it up on the mirror. T-shirt. T-shirt, there we go. It is a generous, it is a generous act to be creative. We often look at creativity through the expressional lens. You know, somebody is being creative and being an expressive artist or creating something, um, a, a, a creative artist. Um, uh, let's see, what else? Somebody creating, creating space for someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of creativity, uh, Isabel, my uh, partner, uh, and I were talking this morning. It's like creativity is not about art. Creativity is about solutions. Mm. Creativity often ends up in the practice of art, but creativity also ends up in the practice of meditation. Creativity ends up in the practice of conception 
like physical conception. Creativity ends up in, in world peace. Um, if we were ever to be able to get out of our own way enough to have those thoughts. So, so creativity is a generative force, and as a generative force, it is inherently love. We get into a many-faceted conversation then, of course, about what is love. And if you hazard, if you, uh, wait a second, hazard, if you hazard a foray into the conversation of what is art, it gets even more complicated. So, so this is our language continually developing, continually changing with every person, every generation. Uh, and, and, and we bring our new thoughts and our new pronouns and our new um, ways of thinking about, about all these words like creativity and art and generosity and democracy and everything else. All these words constantly morphing and changing. So even inherent there is the idea of, of creativity. I think maybe I've spoken enough about this subject to you. It's, it, it's definitely not a one sentence subject, but the, but the connection between creativity and love is so profound as to be intertwined. Methinks. Exactly my thoughts. And I would even go so far as to include the fact that when you're creating, you fall in love, when you're really in it, you're, you fall in love with what comes out of you because it isn't, it's, some, it's like every great artist, musician, writer, scientist says, it just came to me, it came through me, but there's, there's that facility, capacity in us to be the channel for it, you know, and it's when we're, when we get out of the way, it's, it's so delicious to be in okay. it because yeah. it isn't about us. It's about this other generative energy that right. takes us over and carries us with it wherever it is going to take us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, uh, you, you know, uh, the Mihai uh, Csikszentmihalyi book, Flow. Oh, right? yes. Yeah. So this was a book that was very formative for me mm. uh, whenever it came out many, many years ago now. Yeah. And, uh, and it is that I've, I, I've kind, I, I've carried, I've carried that book in my head and in my spirit ever since. It really, it really was transformative. It changed the way I thought thought and think about art and about being and it became it it turned my practice my at least my creative practice into a holistic thing also it transformed my teaching into a holistic thing right so it's like there are these signals that i have around me when i'm not in a state of flow and i feel pretty grateful and fortunate to say that I feel in the state of flow a lot. It is, it is more, it, I have feel it in it more than I do less. Mm -hmm. And it's a real flag for me when I don't, when I feel I'm not in it. And I usually stop what I'm doing when that happens, if it's a creative project. So, so it's, um, flow has, flow, flow takes the place, seeking flow, I guess takes the place of the word work for me. 
Mm, yeah. Even the word play, you know, it's like this is it, it becomes about cooking. It becomes about about preparing, you know, uh, preparing things. It even can become about work. And that and looking for flow in itself can be an act of of creativity and, and inspiration. So is it seeking flow or is it being flow? It's it, at its at its best. It's being flow. I'm. It's it, it's almost weird to talk about it, right? Because it's like when we talk about it, it's a third. It's a third entity. Yeah. Um, I don't think about it much, but when I'm talking with you here and reflecting about how it feels to be in my general state of happiness, it's connected to the word flow, and it happens to connect back to that book. Yeah. And to that time. You know, when I kind of learned that stuff. So what are some of the signals for you when you're not in that state of flow, when you're not being flow? Thinking. Thinking. Overthinking. It's weird. We, we human beings are, are, are self-reflective animals, you know. We're not the only ones with language, but it seems to me that we're the only ones with this kind of obsessive self-reflection that is born out of survival. Uh, like like early, early physical uh, aims of, of survival. And then as, as Yuval Noah Harari in his book uh, Sapiens talks about this, this telling stories, you know, in, inventing and creating stories. So we do this as a general rule to get along in life is we create stories and, and become meaning-making machines mm -hmm. connected to our survival. So, so whenever I end up thinking about my survival or get into a fear mode, then, then all of a sudden the flow goes away mm. and, uh, and gets kind of suppressed, repressed. I mean, Isabel, my partner, can tell you all about it because she has to put up with me when I'm in those spots. And, and it's not, and it's not like it isn't an everyday thing. It is, you know, but, but the way, but thinking about it, thinking about it in that way and actually investigating, you know, when I'm not in a state of flow and I, and, and I realize that I'm sitting, it, it really, it, at its worst, it ends up in depression. Mm. At its worst, it ends up in, in constant questioning and depression and resistance and, and, you know, and the only way out of that, the only way out of that is either doing for others, engaging in conversations outside of your own, of your own bubble, mm -hmm. and making things. Yeah. So that's, you know, so like creativity leads to flow, right? You don't, you don't look to be in, to be in flow and then be creative. So creativity and flow, uh, as as you were just pulling forward, yeah. There's a sense of there's a sense of being here now. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking this morning about how how we pay attention to certain thoughts and don't pay attention to other thoughts, and some of it, you know, when you talk about those things that get in our way, those blocks that so much of the time have to do with survival or about how am I doing? Mm -hmm. Is this going to be well received? Will they like it? Has it been done before? Rather than just 
here it is. Look, look and see what this is. And that we, it's as though the thoughts that are coming through our head, we've been, we've grown up in a culture that values analysis and intellect and logic. So we're examining everything very carefully, you know, with a magnifying lens. And we do that too in our personal lives, in our own personal thinking, so that we have this thought that comes into our head that says that's been done before. And then, oh, right. Well, it has been done before. I mean, look who's done it. And I, why should I even bother? And rather than just one of my favorite quotes is uh, something like, leave your front door and your back door open. Allow your thoughts to come and go, but don't invite them to tea. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a great one. That's we have great. an instinctive knowing when our thoughts are limiting us. And yet the conditioning that we have, don't you think, I'd love to know what you're thinking, is that we use that same analysis and we turn it, which can be in service of creativity, but we turn it on our thinking. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't have that thought. That's a really, that's, yeah, we're talking about a couple couple of paradigms here that are really related and I think we allow to be to become intertwined, mm-hmm. and success and survival. So, you know, when we talk about fear and survival and the kind of lizard brain, physical, you know, human instinct of things, it really is to avoid death. That's really where it comes from, is to stay alive. And I think to many of us. Uh, Success means acceptance. I'd say probably to all of us. Success means often accept, acceptance and therefore survival because we get to be appreciated inside mm. the culture. We have done something as a contribution because contribution is like the, like the what does Tony Robbins say, the, 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 uh, the uh, fifth, fifth human need you know, it's, it's, it's a need to, it's a need to contribute besides shelter and food and water and all that. We have a need to contribute. So, so success often means, okay, yes, I've landed over there. Yes, I'm safe now for now. And when we don't succeed, when nobody hears us, when we are a voice crying in the wilderness, when we are shouting into the wind, um, and nobody's paying attention and no one's interested, it can feel really bad. And not only does it feel unsuccessful, but then it also feels like a threat to our survival. And those things can follow, I think, uh, pretty quickly in the mind. And that's how we can get into using this to defeat ourselves rather than, mm-hmm. than to, uh, to liberate ourselves. Is, does that make sense? I, that yes. Kind of- Yes. I, you know, it's, it's all this conditioning that we have. When you, you know, I often go back to the example of children who, you know, when they're three, four, five, they're just doing things for the love of it. And mm-hmm. then as we get older, we get talked out of it. Oh, you can't sing. You can't write. You can't make art. And who is it? Who is that oh. person that we internalize? And then we say, yes. I've got a, no, a woman. I have an answer. I have an answer for that. Okay, good. I can tell you exactly what happens. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It may, maybe, maybe somebody will resonate with this. I used to never color inside the lines. I never did. And 
I was always told to color inside the lines. And to some degree, to some degree, it's fine until somebody says, but look at that picture over there. It's so nice because somebody colored inside the lines. And you start taking that on as, a, as an element of, uh, of acceptance, except for, for, for the true rebels in school. I was not a rebel in school. I re I'm an only child. I really wanted brothers and sisters. And, and my attempt in kindergarten was to get everybody to be my brother and sister. It did not work. <laughs> and, um, and in fact, I think I probably embarrassed myself and created more humiliation for myself than, uh, than, I, than I would like to admit. Um, but I do remember somebody, and whether it was a teacher or a relative, Somebody is saying to me, look, it's easier to color inside the lines if you make dark lines around the outline. <laughs> if, you, if you trace around the outline really hard and you make that dark red, then when you, when you try to color inside the lines, your crayon will bump up against it and it's easier to stay inside the lines. Oh, Lordy. Welcome to my childhood. So... Um, so you know the lonely creative child. So uh, so that's 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 where it happens. I think. I, I I remember having somebody hand me a cassette tape of Yehudi Menuhin playing at a very young age. It was somewhere between seven and thirteen, and it was a completely different Yehudi Menuhin than you ever heard again. And this person said to me, this was somebody in the industry, in the classical music industry, said to me, "Yeah, they destroyed Yehudi Menuhin." Just a weird thing to say. And Yehudi Menuhin gave so much to music throughout his life. Yeah. But he came way before Yo-Yo Ma in playing with Ravi Shankar, in doing, in coloring outside the lines. Yeah. And yet, and things that Mr. Heifetz never did, by the way. And Yehudi Menuhin played his early career he, he 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 played the game you know he he played the concertos he he did the traveling he did the touring what a marvelous marvelous man and a musician but what i will always remember him for is is how he changed the world of music by by playing outside of of that classical culture yeah. and inviting the 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 crossing of of creativity that that meant a lot to me um and always will and you were how old when you were exposed to that to 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 menuhin and and ravi yeah. shankar yeah. oh god i don't know let me see uh it it would have been i remember when i when i really well i mean i heard menuhin from my earliest days but but i forget when that ravi shankar uh, Yehudi Menuhin record came out. Uh, may, maybe Isabel can, can late sixties, uh, early seventies, maybe. Um, it would have been, I think, a little later than that. I think it would have been later than that. But, but I think that this encounter I was telling you about, uh, about having heard this uh, this cassette for the first time, I think that probably happened in college. Mm. So I would have been, you know, uh, I went to college when I was twenty, twenty one. Did you play an instrument when you were? How old? When did you start playing an instrument? No, I was I was handed a violin when I was four, so I began actual study of the violin 
in the Suzuki program. There's a man named oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Suzuki who, who brought it over in the 60s, and it was very hot back then, uh, the Suzuki method. Yes. And, um, yeah. They threw me out um, pretty early. <laughs> um, I think I uh, I think I, I think I made the big mistake of learning to read music too early, and stuck out like a sore thumb. Okay, there we go. Nineteen sixty-seven. You are so correct, Nina. Look at you. Yay. You win. You I think win. I'm going to go on Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, so in any case. Um, yeah, so I so I started really, really quite, quite early. I, I you know mo most fiddle players start somewhere between two and four, uh, or did back then I should say I don't know what people do now. I don't any I don't know anything about about how early early childhood music uh, looks. Been... So what's the connection between? I mean, this is obviously the leading question, but what's the connection between being told to color inside the lines and you didn't and playing music classical music and then discovering what it was like to play outside the lines of the musical scale so to speak mm -hmm. yeah what's the connection well maybe maybe it would be most most helpful to to tell a story about a few of my really uh transformative experiences um studying with the with the great with one of the greatest violinists of all time is kind of a thing kind of um, sorry kind of kind of kind of and and you know my mom used to say to me you know mr heifetz puts his pants on the same way that you do one leg at a time do not treat him like god but be respectful. And what what many people don't know is that you know Mr. Heifetz was in our home when I was thirteen. Mm -hmm. um, he wanted to see how my mom cooked. She was one of his secretaries, <laughs> and she and he wanted to see if her cooking measured up. So he came to our house with his little uh, you know vodka martini uh, suitcase, you know, because you could you had those back then. Oh yeah. And um, and my mom went up and got him and brought him back because she was his chauffeur too, and um, and anyway, it was everything changed, you know, for for me even that day where I wasn't allowed to say a word. I never said a single word that whole night. And uh, you were not, how old? I was thirteen at the time, and uh, so so that was a formative experience. And then, uh, and then being in his house and in his studio, uh, all those, all like for two years straight, twice, a, like once a week, once a week, pretty much. And, and to be in that studio that I'd seen in movies, that was a formative experience. And then when I got, when I, when I finally went to school, having something trip in my head, which said that classical music is a living, breathing art form. Mm. And as much as I love Beethoven and Brahms, there's something else to be done here and I can contribute to it and I can do it and it's fun and it's, it's actually a lot more fun for me than to go the other route. That was a transformative experience. Mm. So 
the idea of personal growth going to get like, uh, like adulting, becoming an adult, uh, uh, taking on my own, my own thoughts, my own mantle, my own mission. These things all became my coloring outside the lines. Mm -hmm. At 22 years old, I, I did what, what one often calls, I lost my faith. So as an evangelical fundamentalist, born again, Christian, now in recovery, I can look back on that time and say my education really released me from a lot of the kind of shackles of how to do things and allowed me to color outside some lines. And every single moment of every day for me in my life is, is an exploration of, of how, how, how to find, find my own way of, of, uh, of living in the world and of contributing in the world. And it seems like it's this constant shedding of, of previously, previously uh, taken values, previously taken education, and, and, and a reformation of thought in a more positive and creative manner. Mm. So that's how it, how it ends up. And, and just, although we haven't talked about this specifically, I should say this, that um, people often think of, of jazz as a as an improvising language and sometimes people when they when they think of the word jazz they're like improvisation or um or when they think of um uh what's the what's the chicago comedy troupe um that uh fed snl Goodness. just keep going it'll come so so you know saturday night live improv theater you know viola spolin and elaine may and uh uh, you know all all of these all these folks in in improv theater it's this being present you know type of thing that that really does spark the creative process and while i always thought of jazz as being the improvisational language and i took on a study of jazz a serious study of jazz for about 7 years it became so much bigger than that and i finally tied it all together and you'll resonate with this never have you seen two people walk up on a street to each other and say hi with recognition and then take out their little book and open it and start having a conversation <laughs> it just doesn't happen that way so i tied i tied together these these kind of thoughts that that if our conversations are all improvisational and our relationships are all improvisational, then yes, jazz is telling a story while speaking French. It's just that the vocabulary is called jazz. And classical music is much, 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 much more about reading that little book. You're, you're speaking that language, which has been written before you many, many years by Western Europeans. And, and so, so, so you're reading this music and then the conversation that ensues about how to create that takes place up here on top of it, as you and your colleagues in the string quartet are negotiating personal and artistic and political ways of being with each other. 
And that's, that's, that's how classical music started to look to me. So then, so, so the way it all kind of comes down in terms of the creativity conversation is that there's a way to see creativity in everything. And there are varying levels of abilities to being creative inside any language which is commonly spoken. So like I cannot have a forward moving conversation in French or German or Italian and I can speak a little bit of each just enough to hurt myself. And I cannot have a real forward-moving conversation with a computer science major because I just don't know those languages. So, but when, but because we all speak the human language, of course, it's a different conversation, right? So, so then we can have all these conversations. But it started to parse out the, the creativity and improvisation conversation where it's like improvisation is always there humanity is always there and where those two meet is connection and community and art making and then that art making when it's then done in front of people or or in a solid object of sculpture or painting uh when that then then those things can speak to our general human condition That's great. I think that's such a, uh, a concise way of saying it. And one of the things that comes through when you're saying this is that there was a shift for you from survival to joy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I wonder I if part of the creative process, and, and maybe we can find some other words for that word creative, is learning to go, is just that, is going back to that sense of the freedom of creating for the love of it. Once we discover what it is that, that is loving us and wants us to have more of it, that there is less of a need to survive and there's less of a need to be or less of a need to have the dominant thoughts it's already been done before or I can't do it as well as or you know whatever the litany is that comes in but that spark of joy that happens when we're in the flow when we're we're not aware of ourselves because we're so fully present to that other force that other energy mm-hmm. yes i yes yes to all of that and one of the things that that comes up to me comes up for me is the word safety mm-hmm. and uh what 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 you just brought forward was the word survive the word survival and joy and and how and how to either seek or be or experience that transformation. Uh, for me, it was a gradual process. And I do remember having the conversation with myself when I was only in my early 20s of saying, I'm not enjoying this. Mm. And 
if I'm going to live my life doing this thing that I've done since I was four, um, I'd better find a way to enjoy it. Uh, so I'd be set off on this road to find a way to enjoy myself. So that's, uh, that's almost an aside. It has nothing to do with the survival and joy thing. But the survival and joy transformation has to happen with a certain amount of safety. And especially in this day and age, we're coached to find our own safety. Right? Be there for yourself and love yourself. And only when you love yourself, then you will have this, have this transformation. And that's a, it's quite a responsibility to take on. It's a little bit overwhelming as well you know, as you're, as you're walking through the life to then be responsible for like everything. And yet we are, and ugh, it, and, but that, maybe we're not, I mean, which maybe, self are we talking about? Well, there we go. There were, and then we get into higher and lower self and, and true self and false self. Yes, of course. And we can have those conversations. And then tomorrow we should have breakfast after we've gotten done with this 24 hour conversation <laughs> we're about to have. Um, yeah, so so getting from the survival and joy, there is this creation of safety that I think is super important. And whether that is safety in community, whether that's a safety uh, a safety net of having like 12 people you're going to hang with for the next four months and that you trust and you can share your work with, mm. whether that's... Uh, you know what whatever that is some some people use fellow you know fellowship like christianity is like full of that of that fellowship aspect mm -hmm. where 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 people have committed to supporting each other it's amazing um so so yeah having 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 some some safety and some uh some conversational guidance around this is really helpful for sure. And what about permission? Permission comes from per, permission. <laughs> permission comes from within. Uh, no, that's that's <laughs> that's 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 the that's the hot dog vendor joke. Uh, change change <laughs> right. comes only from within. Um, the uh, Buddhist hot dog vendor. Um, yeah, per, permission. I I really find it. I really. Find find that after these many years that I've been doing what I've done and and the result of the good wonderful experiences wonderful colleagues uh, opportunities that I've had it brings me to a point where anybody who is following alongside me in the timeline who's had different experiences uh, or, or is younger or uh, pursuing something completely different. It is my opportunity and my good fortune to be able to offer permission to people to do that, to do the things that, that, they, that they're fearful of doing. So I think that that permission often comes from a teacher or from a coach, giving ourselves permission, once again, an overwhelming, it's, you know, we, we, have, we are responsible. When you're causing the matter and responsible for all things, it's overwhelming. And walking, uh, walking through life with good people around you is really paramount. Walking through the world with mentors and coaches 
is really important. And that most often that's what happens is, you know, I, I have two coaches right now and, and both of them are constantly giving me permission. And I am inspired after a call because I really do see possibility where I may not have seen it before. So, so yeah, we've, we've, we've got, we've got to have permission to do the things we want to do. My, my partner, Isabel, she gives me permission. And it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's no, it's no simple, it's no simple equation. It's a real, and here we bring it back to love. It is a real contribution of love to be an observer for another person. Oh, gosh. Mm. Well, you know you're speaking to the choir and saying that at least to <laughs> I me. know. I, I know. Oh, yeah, you and I share a lot of things here. But yeah. Yeah. There were two things come to mind as you're saying that. Um, I was listening to a, a talk by uh, someone named Rupert Spira, who is a, a spiritual teacher, although he, he wouldn't call himself that. And when someone asked him about that, he said, I'm not a teacher. I just share what I love. Mm. And uh, another quote from, that was purportedly by Vincent van Gogh in a letter to his brother, mm. who said, and some people may have heard me say this because I love this quote, is that he, in the middle of writing a letter in his cold garret with by candlelight on his cheap yellow paper and a pencil and he's describing the scene outside his window to his brother he stops in the middle of writing and he sketches out a little drawing of what he sees from his window and he says it's so beautiful I must show you how it looks mm. and to me when our creativity comes from that place there's no question about permission. There's mm. just there's just acknowledging what is. I'll take that. That's I think one of the one of the uh, that's that that resonates with me, particularly in that I I use software to make to make my music a lot. I I it's come to the point these days where as a violinist I can simply record myself playing with real immediacy with literally the touch of a foot pedal so I can pile on sound and pile on sound and make music without any interruption or any stopping for endless amounts of time and that brings us back to this to the state of flow and as much as the outside world can be beautiful and then painted, for me, that equivalent would be standing here in my, in my studio and all of a sudden, you know, an hour later have been playing for all of that time. And in doing so, experience that beauty yeah. and even to let it go. Right. Nothing gold can stay. <laughs> Is that true? I think that was John Donne. Okay. All right. 
goodness. But I we just, can't hold on to the moment. We can just no. be present. No, that's, as you yeah, and that's and that's one of the things we we in in my in my little corner of of uh, the music world we call this looping, and the and the one characteristic of a of a of a looper, something that kind of records you is you have to press undo at the end and it's just like let it go and or or if something gets unplugged right now of course uh, i can I, I have all sorts of ways of keeping everything and recording everything and remixing it and and making a piece out of what i've created but there's something very special about the idea of saying i'm going to make this thing and then it's going to go away you have to let go of it i love that i love that because to me that speaks of our willingness to let go of things being precious. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I was doing for a while with painting was I would collage several layers of painted paper onto a canvas or a, a, a panel, and then I'd take an electric sander to it. So I, whatever I had liked, whether it was on the first layer or the second layer or the fourth layer, I had to say goodbye to it because it was going to get covered over. And then when I took the sander to it, who knows what would show up, but that delight in the exploration of what's next. Yep. Yep. We call this happy accidents. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. What do you think of, you know, when I first, one of the first people that I saw that was, aside from the people that you've mentioned, musicians, one of the first people that I saw who was just filled with exuberance was Benjamin Zander. Oh. oh my. That kind of effervescence and permission and pointer to what was possible in the human spirit, to be expressed by the human spirit, was very powerful for me. Benjamin Zander is a Buddha. And I don't think there's any way to say it other than that. Um, he's a he's a he's a life force unlike I've ever seen mm -hmm. my lifetime. There's nobody else that comes from comes from and through classical music that is like him. I mean, the closest might be Dudamel in a way. Might be uh, who? Dudamel. Oh yeah. But uh, but no, there's there's something very special about that about that that man, you know. Uh, twenty years ago or so, I I always say twenty years just because it seems like a long time ago. We all do that, right? <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not the only one. So um, I, you know, one one thing that that Ben Zander did or does or still does was he would do these corporate programs you remember that where he would go yes. into corporations and he'd take the whole orchestra in and i was really interested in doing that for a while you know um making those kind of programs and i never quite did it it's it's a it's a little bit of a heavy lift and 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 of course ben already had so much work under his belt as a as a conductor and everything else he had a whole a whole lifetime already before he started doing that yeah. so and i was and i thought to myself well maybe i maybe i could share that too and uh, maybe i could because i i have that i have that kind of passion inside me and uh and I, I never quite quite made it there 
But I will say this, that um, what I forget, I'm trying to think if this was a Ben Zander thing that I took from watching him work. Maybe not, maybe not di directly, but I'll tell you this, this quick story completely unrelated to Ben Zander, but let me just leave it. He's a, he's such an extraordinary man and uh, he's, he's been a gift. He's just been a gift to everybody and classical music has served as his tool. And that is amazing. Um, this is a, just going back to the improvisation thing a little bit. I still, I, I didn't play, I didn't play much classical music for a long time. I was really interested in doing rock and roll and jazz and like everything else I could get my hands on. And I kind of, kind of broke up with classical music for a while. Even, even the new music stuff, you know, I would play for my, for my chosen family banging the can uh, now and then, but even they thought I wasn't coming back. And I was just playing jazz out on Long Island. You know, this was when the Bang on a Can All Stars started, and I wasn't a part of it. And uh, uh, and but it was I was okay with it. I thought I was going to go on and do this. I started my own band, which is a string quartet. And um, and during that time of playing jazz, I really didn't play any classical music at all. And then Mr. Heifetz's assistant, her name was is Sherry Kloss. She asked me to come out and teach her her. Uh, week-long program of classical music i played brahms for the first time in years and the moment that i picked up my violin to demonstrate and to play a brahms melody from one of the piano and violin sonatas i played it and as i played it i was almost hearing it come out of me as if i was writing it mm. or thinking of it in that very moment. And it was then when the distinction came to me that the writing of music, this ink on a page, means nothing. It really did all of a sudden crystallize in there. I mean, of course, it means something. I'm not saying that. But, but it's like, but, but embodying that music and having it be something out of personal experience without the confines of tradition, because I had already moved out of one tradition oh, yeah. into another tradition, and bringing that other tradition to bear wasn't bringing the baggage from another tradition. It was bringing the freedom mm. that I'd gained from choosing to be present yeah. in a way that I'd never been present before. And that's, what, that's when classical music became, once again, a path that I could walk and now run in. So somehow, this isn't quite the right phrase, but you you made it your own. It became more of an organic experience, not just a technological proficiency, but more, if I dare use this word, more authentic. Well, yeah, <laughs> yes. Well, it, yes, it, 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 it became more authentic. But the weird thing about that was that I had become more authentic. Yeah. So it didn't become more authentic. Mm. My place in the world became a little bit less encumbered with the values that I had held. Yeah. Which were more connected to, to survival and, and, and being better than and succeeding, you know? Yeah became less about the need 
to be the one to be you know to to be excellent to be virtuosic to live up to a standard it became less encumbered by those things now that's freedom that is freedom and that comes from creativity and, and so creativity comes from love and so yes it's it, uh, so 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 it all becomes a a through line and i think now we've said oh. pretty much everything that could be said on the matter now right Nina? <laughs> probably i mean <laughs> barely an hour and i think we've covered every possible aspect of it oh man we've we've we, we've climbed through through a bunch of different buildings together this is fun this is wonderful <laughs> before we go tell yeah. me about the work that you and isabel are doing with amplify this with happiness um we began to build something uh, early pandemic. So, so we started to really think March or April. I think it all, and Ed, Ashley is, is, uh, is part of this as well. Um, it's, so so in, in March, see, when, when was it? When we first did a marathon. Pretty soon when everything shut down, I was, of course, relegated to teaching online. So my, my work at Manhattan School shifted to online immediately. And uh, the other thing that happened was that Bang on a Can said, we're going to do a marathon. And, and to Bang on a Can's credit, while everybody else was just like trying to cobble together things for free, Bang, Bang on a Can was like, we're going to pay you. We're going to pay composers. We're going we're gonna to do, do the thing that we always do just in this way. So I was like, okay, this is great. And I was paired up with a, with a Chinese uh, composer from uh, Beijing who, um, actually, no, she's not from Be Beijing. I think she's from closer to Guangzhou. Anyway, um, so, so Dai, Dai Wei is her name, and she wrote a piece for me. And at that point, I was like, oh, my goodness. Well, I know what to do with audio because I have a recording studio around me, but I have no real camera. I'm using my Mac, you know, camera. And, uh, and I don't look very good. And I would love to have a good presentation because this is what we do. We're musicians. We appear on stage at the beautiful Carnegie Hall that was built for the thing that we do. And so how do I fix this problem? So I started to try to fix the problem. And I figured out how to fix the problem. Lots of research, lots of, you know, a few purchases. And so all of a sudden that started on its way. And as it started on its way, I also realized, wow, wow, this is really a shift, what we're going through here. Mm. And I've been, Isabel and I had already hosted a number of people up here in North Adams at our, we have a beautiful, uh, a, a beautiful area up here to hike, to, to hang out in, to cook, and we have great food, all, you know, really local food. And so we'd had some residencies up here, folks who come up and, and study things, study with me. And I started to, Isabel and I started to talk about building a, building a program in a school. All the summer programs had gone away. So, mm -hmm. so we hooked up with a, with a business coach who was, who was quite wonderful and, and she believed in us and, and, and we, we started to talk about ideas. Actually, she lit a fire underneath my, my behind and, uh, and I was like, wow, you know, let's build something here. So we started to talk about what it could be. 
and how we could focus on, on creativity and technology and also activism. And this was during the, the, the time of the George Floyd pro protests. I was extremely upset and activated by this, by all of this. And I was like, wow, this is an opportunity to participate in some sort of transformation of something here as we're, as we're walking forward. So we decided to build an educational portal, a virtual one, an online one. And we did our first program called the Creative Expansion Lab, or X-Lab for short. And uh, we had a wonderful summer program with, with, uh, with eight, eight people, I think. And um, one, of them, one of them who had to bow out for personal reasons released a record on Bandcamp today. Everybody go, uh, go uh, check out the Manchester Collective.bandcamp.com. So anyway, we had these folks and, and we did this two-month program, which we extended into three months because we were all having such a good time. And, uh, and then we set about to continue creating our program. So uh, recently we've been doing Level Up Your Virtual Presence, a course on foundational, you know, how to, how to level up one's virtual presence online through audio, video, engagement, uh, how, how, we, how we can just be great with each other. Because this is kind of what we've had to do, but what we will continue to do as we develop a new normal. So now we have an advanced course on that, which deals with presentation. We have a bunch of you know, home recording solutions series in the works. And also, uh, Isabel, I'm very happy because Isabel and I have had a very fruitful morning uh, designing and having another design uh, session for our next creative expansion lab of four months, uh, which we, are, we will be, begin enrolling people for soon, which, uh, which really aims to deal with some of these creativity things that we've talked about today. We were just talking about resistance today and how to make a month's worth of content. And by content, I don't mean stuff you can read or download, but content meaning ways of being with each other which can really provide some transformation, like lasting transformation around resistance with a, with a great guest speaker, with a lot of uh, forum type of, you know, conversation with each other to really bring about some lasting change, which opens up creative pathways. So that's the Creative Expansion Lab uh, in a nutshell. And along with it comes all of the, all of the all of the uh, the wonderful things I've had the opportunity to learn, like technology or whatever, what what whatever folks need. So it's a coaching program, uh, but really greatly based on community and uh, and and group interaction. Well, I can only imagine how the lovely and talented Isabel is such a <laughs> catalyst for you. And sign me up, yeah, by the way. Yes. Oh, we 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 welcome you. Yeah. This is uh, this is definitely uh, what. How does we we haven't thought of a word. This it's it's um. It's extra stylistic. It's it's like it's like beyond style. It's beyond genre. It's beyond discipline. Extra disciplinary. Not not interdisciplinary. It's extra disciplinary. So um. So it's so it's. It's 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 a, it's for anybody. It's for somebody who really is is running up against the uh, against the wall in writing their book. Uh, somebody who's really running up against the wall in like designing their their podcast, right? So we'll we'll 
the, the group of people that will come together will be a place to share all of that stuff and, and measure it out, pull it together, dissolve the walls, and, and walk forward. Sounds like magic to me. Yeah, I love magic. I would do a magic trick for you now, but I have no coins. That's all right. That'll be the next show that we do together. <laughs> for sure. For sure. For sure. Uh, thank you so much. It is my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It's Me so, too. It's so, so great to talk with you. And can you tell people where they can find you? Absolutely. You can You can find me at toddreynolds.com. That's two Ds and an R-E-Y. If you forget how to spell Reynolds, just open up your kitchen drawer where you keep your foil. And... Um, and so uh, ToddReynolds.com, Todd you'll find all the other links there, the Facebook ones, which is Todd Reynolds Music, the, um, the uh, Twitch channel, which is under DigiFiddler, and Instagram under DigiFiddler. You'll, you'll find me in most places under, under Todd Reynolds or DigiFiddler, which stands for Digital Fiddler. Perfect. So uh, next time I'll play for you. <laughs> that would be super. Okay. Thanks again. Thank you, everyone, for listening, watching, whatever you happen to be doing to be in this conversation with us, and we'll see you the next time.